0: Everyone and welcome to J Talk Extra Time. I'm James Taylor, and joining me to talk about two very entertaining J Two Playoff Semi Finals is John Steele. How are you, John?
1: Hi, James. Uh, very good, thanks. I, uh, I'm scouring the convenience stores of Tokyo looking for uh, J League uh, tops trading cards cause I see them people popping them, popping those packs on Twitter, but no, no joy yet. So if anybody knows where I can get some, please uh, please
0: let me know. But yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. And uh, you should probably. Uh, tell your wife that when you've blown all your money on those, that it's Ben Maxwell's fault for uh, <laughs> mentioning it in the first place.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I I really should uh, should mute him. Uh, I think, but uh, <laughs> I can't for, for business for business reasons. I'm I'm not, not able to. But no, just just kidding, Ben. And please please keep posting the uh, posting the hits as 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 he calls it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. I really enjoyed the uh, the playoff semi-finals. I think we should get straight into it. Talk about these games. Uh, Saturday afternoon we had Shimizu nil. Yamagata nil I predicted that neither of these games would finish goalless I don't know how this one did there there were chances galore all the way through this was really entertaining 15,742 people there to enjoy it Uh, the draw means that Shimizu go through to the final John what did you make of this game
1: yeah, I think, um, as Tadahiro Akiba would probably put it, this was football, wasn't it? Uh, very, very kind of big, big match feel in the sunshine with a big crowd, as you mentioned. And I think, t- to be honest, I was working on Saturday, so I just checked in with the results of this game. And when I saw it was nil-nil, I thought maybe it was a case of Shimizu just grinding it out because... Uh, as we've as we've repeated many times, the, the, the way the J two playoffs work is as long as you're the home team, you only need to draw to go through. So when, when, whenever it finishes nil nil, I think the the logical conclusion is well, the the home team just kind of stonewalled. Uh, but it wasn't the case. It, like you said, it was a very entertaining, um, an entertaining game. I think Yamagata did their best to to get the goal that would have made it interesting or possibly taken them through. Uh, in, in place of Shimizu. I, I suppose we, we should start with the big kind of pre-kickoff team news, which was uh, the Shimizu goalkeeper situation, right? Shuichi mm-hmm. Gonda played all 42 games of the regular season, but then he was missing for this one. Uh, presumably he, he's injured because he, he wasn't on the bench either. So Tako Okubo, Got the nod to start in goal, and you 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 kind of felt okay, maybe that's going to give Shimizu a few problems. But he actually made three really good saves early on, didn't he? Mm. As uh, Yamagata started very strongly, and then after that, Tiago Alves had that header uh, for Yamagata, where he perhaps I don't know, he was very close to goal, really. Two defenders right on top of him, but he wasn't able to keep that down, and and that went over the 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 bar. So it was nearly at half time, and uh, I think Yamagata had probably had the better of it in terms of chances. And uh, when things got stretched in the second half, it became a bit more bit more basketball-esque, didn't it? And mm-hmm. uh, Carlinos uh, Jr., he hit the post from the edge of the D for Shimizu midway through the second half. And then Terry Kihara, I'm not sure how he managed not to score. He, he headed over from pretty much standing on the goal line, didn't he? Uh, when, a, when a corner was flicked onto him. So Shimizu had their chances as well. And uh, Koyaki Tagawa, very late on uh, Shimizu forward, his he tried a curler from the edge of the box, and I couldn't quite see from the replay. I think it clipped to the very top of the crossbar, didn't it, on its way mm. behind it? Might, might have been the, the the stanchion or the pole behind the goal, but it, it was pretty close. Let's let's put it that way. So I think Yamagata did their best. They 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 threw the kitchen sink at Shimizu, but uh, I, I think Shimizu probably a draw was a fair result on the day, and and the rules mean that that Shimizu go through and I my kind of um overly poetic uh conclusion is uh James Yamagata's uh club badge has three mountains on it and uh, they had three mountains to climb in this game didn't they they were playing against what I think is a stronger squad in Shimizu they were playing away from home and they had to win whereas at uh, Shimizu only needed a draw and I think those those three mountains to climb was just too much too much for them on the day but um yeah I don't know does, does that sound fair enough what, what what did you make of it?
0: Oh, it's very nice it? You've put, put, put some thought into it. It's good. Don't, don't sound so surprised. I yeah, always <laughs> say for a change. <laughs> edit, edit this out. It's outrageous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was... Re- uh, yeah, like I, said, I don't know how it stayed nil-nil. Um, the people hitting the post, hitting the bars, great saves, bad misses, near misses. This was, yeah, really end-to-end. Um, like I said, Boy, made Boy, was it three really good saves in the opening five minutes because Yamagata... Was they knew they, they needed to win, so they needed to score, so they tried to do it early. Um, they couldn't quite do it. But, yeah, uh, Goto in goal for Yamagata, he made a really good save from an Inui shot in the first half as well. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was just a bit too much for for Yamagata. I was looking at their playoff record. I mean, 2014, they got promoted from from sixth. And then 2019, they finished sixth but lost the final and in 2022, they finished sixth and they drew away in the final, which means they were eliminated. And this year, they they drew the semi-final away, finished in fifth. So they it seems like they've got a habit of kind of, I assume, sneaking in at the end to finish you know fifth or sixth. And then yeah, that momentum seems to, to do quite well for them. I mean, they they played well in this game. It was entertaining stuff, and the yeah we. we this it always comes up the discussion about the rule or that the, the home team only needs to draw and the the fear that this will encourage teams to park the bus and play negatively but no j2 team well with perhaps one or two exception plays in that way i don't know why people are getting uh uh concerned about temptation to play negatively Teams don't play like that in J two, especially not the teams that are in the playoffs. Anyway, you play like that in J two, you're not going to get anywhere near the playoffs. Mm. No teams play like that. No teams go out there to try and nick a one nil. Mm. It's uh, it's not J two. It's not on brand. I think it's not allowed. Actually, <laughs> I'm assuming it's, it's, it's illegal. Yeah, I mean, in the other game as well, we, we we can we can talk about it now, I suppose. I mean, Verdi they beat Jeff two one, but Verdi. Only needed a draw, but they came out and they they, they attacked from the off, and they went two 0 up. They were two 0 up at half time, and they kept attacking in the second half as well. Jeff pulled it back to two mm. one, with a goal from uh, from Hiro Kormori, who's had an excellent year, and his first first full year as a as a professional. Um, yes, yeah, twenty five thousand in for this one. Really great atmosphere, really good game. Um, what did you think of this game?
1: Uh, yeah, well, no, I, I agree with you, your comments uh, thus far on the, the the other semi-final. Yeah, again, I, you know, really, really good to see so many people uh, inside the stadium. Yeah, 25,000, as you mentioned, even though they, they have this issue behind the goal, sort of in the away end at Ajinomoto, where mm-hmm. some seats can't be used because of, I think there's a roof roof problem uh, at the moment. So the Jeff supporters behind the goal were kind of split into two uh, different sections, two different blocks, which was a bit a bit unusual. And I think there were many, many more Jeff supporters in in the stadium, right? Not only behind the goal, but kind of uh, elsewhere as well. So really, really good atmosphere. And I'm, I actually think that the start of this game was kind of similar to the the Shimizu Yamagata game because Jeff Jeff also came out of the blocks pretty quickly, didn't they? Wanting to mm-hmm. score early, they did have the ball in the net in about the third minute when that free kick from Taishi Taguchi it went all the way through. And into the net It was disallowed wasn't it I think that was for an offside in the build yeah. Or was it, was it because it was an indirect free kick That went straight in I don't know
0: I think um, it, I think offside Because th- there was another guy Who sort of did the dummy Or he ran up to kick it But didn't I and, see. The moved. and then I think I, see. I think Dudu was, went offside And mm. I don't know if he actually touched I don't know if he actually headed the free kick Or if it just went close enough to him
1: Yeah, I I thought there might be a legitimate point, point of debate there because I'm not sure if any Jeff player did touch it or, you know, actually went for it. So mm. I'm not sure if you in if you into I I've never read the laws of the game. I should probably put put, put, <laughs> put that out there right now after after seven or eight years of podcasting about it. But um, yeah, it was disallowed, and there didn't seem to be much protest for, from Jeff about that. But it would have been interesting if that had goal had been allowed. It would have made mm. you know changed the complexion of the tie. I think probably the bigger moment was just after that when uh, Mateus who. Pretty much my pick for goalkeeper of the season. Um Verdi's Verdi's stopper. Hiroto Goya had a really good chance, didn't he? To put Jeff yeah. in front from that doo-doo cross. And Matthias just made a brilliant sort of save at point blank range so to, to to keep to keep Jeff out at that point. And then like you said, suddenly it was it was 2-0 at half time. Um Hikaru Nakahara with that kind of you know laser beam into the bottom mm. corner from just inside the box, just showing what a brilliant kind of loan signing he's been. For, for Verdi, I'm not, not sure they would have got this far without him, to be honest. Um That's not to diminish the contribution of other players. But, um yeah, he he's really made a difference since coming in on loan. And then, yeah, there was kind of a sucker punch just before the break was on the Kosuke Saito crossed. And, yeah, Koki Morita uh, heading in from inside the six-yard box. Not often that he scores at all. I, I checked his record this season. I think he's only scored once all season. Mm-hmm. And uh, he certainly doesn't score many headers because he's uh, a yeah. tiny um so yeah it's a bit unusual um you, you kind of sense maybe it's going to be your day when when Koki Morita scores uh, but, Um but mm. I know he's taken a bit of stick this season he's the Verde captain but it's not not universally popular I think he's very. I thought he was excellent in this game I think we should say he set mm. up Nakahara's goal with a kind of quick back heel um and then he he scored the second himself so fair play fair play to him I think in the second half you mentioned he hero Kormori's goal Jeff had to go for it didn't they and uh, Takaki Fukumitsu teed up uh, Kormori and he just kind of shimmied inside his marker and fired in from about sixteen yards. Um, and look, Mateus would probably be disappointed he didn't do better with that, actually, because it was really close to his his body and just kind of squirmed under him under his hand, didn't it, and went in. I think for Kormori, that might prove to be a costly goal from a Jeff point of view because it might have just reminded a few J1 clubs that he exists. Um, yeah. I think if if Jeff had lost that game two 0 uh, they might have been able to keep keep him quiet for another season and 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 keep Cormier, but I am not sure if they will manage that now. I think he's just been too impressive in this breakout season, and might, might be tempted. to I think uh, a place on uh, Seret Sorsaka's bench is is waiting, mm-hmm. um, but um, I, I hope that's not the case. I hope he does stay at Jeff. But um, yeah, he he scored and uh, that set up a kind of frantic finish. But I, I don't think Jeff could really. I don't think they were any in any real danger of getting the two goals that they would have needed, right, to 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 turn it round. Um, and then Verdi, uh, Verdi will go through to the uh, to the final. One one thing I thought was interesting was from a Jeff Chiba sort of fans' perspective, what I see on uh, online on social media. Nobody is too disappointed, uh, and I think the the overall the overwhelming sentiment is they just really enjoyed having like a good fun season. Yeah. Uh, for the first time in a long time, actually five or six years, isn't it, for Jeff, that they've had a good, in inverted commas, season. Um, and uh, I think they've got a good platform to build on for next year. So even though they've lost and they're disappointed, um, it's all with the playoffs are tough because you know you have to win an away game against a stronger team, basically. Yeah. Uh, so that, I think they're, they're actually already looking forward to next season. And I think the coach, Yoshiki Kobayashi, has already signed on um, yeah. as manager for next year. So it'll be interesting to see what what kind of winter they have uh, transfer wise. But I, I thought Verdi um they were on the front foot as well and they 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 you know attack is the best form of defence like you were alluding to James and they they probably deserve to go through. Does that do you agree with that overall?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think Verdi were, were deserved winners. Jeff Jeff played pretty well. Um that miss from Goya was poor and uh he was taken off at half time and Cormony was brought on and that that was a good a good move. And I think Sean Carroll said on Twitter that Komori's had a bit of an injury recently, which is why he didn't start the game. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him move on. I hope we get another year of him in J2 because he's you know, he's good to watch. He's a good player. But uh, so we've just seen Kesuke Goto gone from Iwata to and Andelect. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if Komori moves to either to a J-, J League team or, or to, to somewhere uh, abroad, and mm. uh, I think Jeff should have done more with the opportunities they had in this game, um, but Verdi were very good, Nakahara, that, that was really good, I thought that Verdi that, that had messed that up, because everyone seemed to like get it stuck in their feet, but they managed to dig it out, and he managed to get a shot away, and it was a really good, accurate shot, arrowed right into the bottom corner, mm. and then uh, Morita, played, as you say, played really well um sort of, you know, lead by example as the captain. Yeah, it's interesting that um Jeff ha- ha f- have finally had like a, a, a positive season and a positive end to the season. I mean, they lost obviously, but I, like the, the feeling over the last few months has been really positive there. And even though this is this is uh, their fifth unsuccessful playoff campaign. Um, that research done by Mike. Thanks, Mike. Um it is, it is that, Jeff Chiba we're talking about yeah, after all. But this is this is they they had they did have a bad start to the year, but then they had really good um unbeaten run. They had a few um good tough wins towards the end of the year. And so yeah, I think it's it's nice that there there's a good feeling around that club and I hope it lasts through the winter and into the next season as well. Mm, yeah, and, uh, y-
1: Yoshiki Yoshiki Kobayashi yeah. really proved me wrong as as mm. manager this season. I thought that was a really cheap um, kind of unimaginative appointment at the start of the season, mm. and I was still thinking that in kind of April <laughs> when when they <laughs> were doing poorly. But um, yeah, it shows uh, shows what I know.
0: Yeah, well, I, and I think it's good that he, he's. This is an example of a, a you know a, a assistant manager taking over and being able to build on the work of the previous manager. Whereas you see in other other cases that that doesn't happen or perhaps not the assistant, but someone being brought in of a similar profile and, and not like like a Tokushima, for example, Ben, ben- LeBayen was not able to to build on what um, Danny uh, Poyatos did. And, you know, Tokushima had a, a, a pretty bad year Whereas at Jeff, yeah, Kobayashi has been able to do that. And after a difficult start, it ended up being a, 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 overall a successful year for them. And uh, yeah, it's good to see. So the final is Tokyo Verdi against Shimizu S-Pulse. This uh, Verdi uh, finished third, so that means they get home advantage. But don't rush along to Ajinomoto Stadium because the game is not being played there. It's at the National Stadium on Saturday the 2nd. Kickoff is at five past two. The game is also being shown on NHK BS1 channel. So if you don't have DAZN and you're not going to the stadium, you can still watch it on the telly. And if you don't have a telly, then you just can't watch it. You have to wait for highlights on YouTube. Mm. Um, John, Verdi made the final in 2018. They actually they made it to the um, the promotion relegation playoff match. Mm. They lost two nil away to Iwata who were the J1 team. Shimizu have never been in the playoffs before because they've only had one year in J2 and they finished second so they got promoted automatically Is that going to have any bearing on things or not? Probably not yeah,
1: Well <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot of thoughts about this game James as you can imagine okay. but h- how coherent they are I'm not sure so um, a, a few things that spring to mind are um, first of all Classic JTET non-analysis. I think it could go either way. Clearly, right. um, I think the fa- <laughs> I think I think the fact that you you sounded so disappointed there, like I wasn't I wasn't ready for that gut punch of like uh, of, of you being so disappointed. But I think you know. Verdi, they only need to draw the game, right? And we, we've shown that they can handle that because they, they were in a similar situation against Jeff and, and they were able to get the job done and win in the semifinal. So they, I'm sure the message from the manager, uh, Joe Fuku, going into, going into this game would be just more of the same, basically just try and win the game. Um, but as long as you don't lose it, uh, that's fine. Um, I think... There is more pressure on Shimazu because the preseason expectation was they would be. I'm sure from their supporters' point of view, they were supposed to be champions. Um, mm. I think from our point of view, thinking back to the preseason pods with, with that squad, we expected a uh, at least a top two finish. Probably it's fair enough. Uh, a so top you know, kind of promotion was the target and, and was expected. So obviously, failure in this game will mean promotion's not being achieved um so the, there's pressure on them I, I think playing the game at kokuritsu kyogoju is a, an interesting move because it's home advantage for tokyo Verdi in some ways but Shimizu have used kokuritsu kyogoju as a home stadium before a couple of times yeah um, or at least once at least one home game haven't they, they they've played at, at, at kokuritsu so it's not exactly unfamiliar territory for them uh, in terms of supporters as well, I mean, Shimizu supporters famously travel incredibly well, but they also have a lot of supporters based in Tokyo, of course, because the the population density. So I'm not sure if um, were I in charge of things at Tokyo Verde, and perhaps we, we, we can all be grateful that I'm not, but I, I might have resisted moving this game to, to Kokuritsu. Um, i know financially that doesn't make any sense and i think that's the reason it's been moved there in in, in the end but in terms of home advantage just on that point i mean perhaps andy nomoto would have been a bit more um you know I, I would be very wary of any disruptions like the normal routine basically ahead of a game like this if i if i was hiroshi jofuka i'd want to treat this just as any other game uh, and it's if it's been played at your not your regular home stadium it's difficult to do that i think so i think that's an interesting uh, kink if you like that it's it's not it's not quite a home game for Tokyo Verdi and it's not quite an away game for Shimizu either. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Um, real quick on the the kind of matches between these two during the regular season, Shimizu won both games, didn't they? Uh, 2-1 at Nihon Daira and then 1-0 at Ajinomoto. So um, a, a supercomputer would probably predict another Shimizu win because they're, they're probably the stronger team, but we, we know it's J2 we're talking about, so it might be Verde's turn. Uh, we, we, we don't know and um, I saw the, the official J-League account on, on uh, Twitter slash X was tweeting out the um, highlights of the 1993 Nabisco yeah. Cup final uh, at the old Kokoritsu Kyoguja where uh, Verdi, uh, I guess Verdi Kawasaki in those days won 2-1 against uh, Shimizu s So that was, that was after Shimizu scored first early on and uh, Verdi scored twice in the last 15 minutes to turn it round and, and win. Uh, quick uh, Yokohama FC mention uh, Verdi beat uh, Yokohama Flugels in the semi-final uh, on, on the way to this game Which is irrelevant But I felt the need to mention it uh, just now So th- this is a roundabout way of saying I don't know how the game's going to go uh, James, I wouldn't be surprised to see either side win I think it will be absolutely amazing From a neutral point of view If Tokyo Verdi did go into J1 for next year mm-hmm. And seeing them adapt to that And how they might try and kind of build out their squad for J1 Will be absolutely fascinating over the winter um, so purely from a neutral kind of curiosity point of view, uh, I'm curious to see to see Verdi win, but I'm, I'm not sure I'm quite supporting them necessarily. Um, I think the opposite is true for Shimizu because failure to get promotion would be a make their season be seen as a disaster. I think, and it could could lead to um, wholesale changes, perhaps on the on the management side and the playing side there as well. Um, I have a feeling that somehow by hook or by crook, Shimizu are going to win. This game mm. and, and go up, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's uh, not the case. And uh, yeah, either way, I'm just I'm going to make sure I check in with Lewis uh, the following on, on on Sunday morning or Monday morning just to make sure he's all right and uh, you know he's, he's got a glass of water with him um, <laughs> to, to rehydrate himself. But um, yeah, what what, what, are, what are we thinking? What are we thinking, James? I, I rambled there for a while and didn't really say anything. So what what, what, are, what about you?
2: Yeah,
0: I I agree with with a lot of the the stuff that. That you just spewed out. <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, it was.
1: So, uh, I, yeah. I do have prepared notes just for the listeners. I wasn't. That wasn't all off the cuff, but uh, perhaps it. Perhaps it sounded a bit unprofessional. But yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I'm just teasing. Yeah, I, I think I agree that the pressure on Shimizu will be because they were supposed to go up automatically, and they didn't because they uh, fluffed it in the last couple of weeks, and now this is their their last chance. And whereas. For Verdi, the pressure is slightly different. I mean, I don't think they were expecting to be in this situation. And so perhaps that will lessen the pressure, but also perhaps the fact that this is a big game and it's been moved to the national stadium. So like you said, it's not their normal stadium. Their routine's going to change. The atmosphere is going to be different. That will bring its own pressure. We've seen a lot of times in a lot of sports where where, where teams will take a game to a different Ground and what what advantage they might have had is gone because mm. it's too different.
2: Whether Just, that's uh, a, an actual
0: thing or a
1: mental thing. Yeah, well, I suppose for, for Verdi, the last time they played at Cagliari, they were the away team, weren't they? Against Machida, mm. and, and lost lost that game. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Go on, sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, and so I think that 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 will be interesting to see how those teams deal with the pressure. I think. Yeah, I, I would expect Shimizu to 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 win, I th- but I, we've seen over the last couple of weeks that when they've really needed to win, they haven't been able to. Mm-hmm. Okay, last, last this weekend just gone a draw was all they needed, but they they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't win against the team that was that was uh, ranked below them for mm-hmm. the entire season, mm-hmm. um, and. Yes, they, they beat Verdi twice during the regular season as well, so they've got that in their favour. They should be confident about that. They've played at the National Stadium already this year, so it's not going to be strange for them really. A lot of these players will be used to playing in front of big crowds because they were, most of them were in J1 last year. Um, I think defensive, it, 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 they, you know, they can perhaps be pleased with their defensive performance last week. Well, they should be pleased with it because they, you know, they shut out Yamagata despite giving up a lot of chances. They they won't be pleased about giving up a lot of chances, but I think that will also give them some confidence in the, you know, that they had to bring in Orkabore at short notice to replace Gonda, no, They know that he can do the business. Mm. They can rely on him. Um, whereas for, for Verdi, yeah, who knows? I mean, it could could be a kind of happy-go-lucky. Yeah, we're here. Let's have some fun or it could be that they freeze under the pressure. And the same goes for Shimizu, it could be that they freeze now. So yes, in, in in other words, I've also said, I don't know. and But I am looking forward to finding out what happens. I think it's going to be very interesting. I'm not gonna predict whether it will be goalless or have lots of goals or be a narrow win. I'm just gonna say, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> That's 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 what the listeners are tuning in for, isn't it? There's going to be a game of football. That's basically yeah. what we've what we've agreed on. But um, yeah, you I think just definitely everyone about half an hour and just yeah, said yeah. there's a game on Saturday. Yeah. Sub yeah. telly. So yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think um, I'm, I'm very glad I'm a neutral uh, ahead of this game. Uh, I think that the, the, the tension is um, would, would be very high. I think in both camps, you know, going into the game, obviously. So I'm happy that I can just enjoy it as a kind of neutral, sort of, um, yeah. you know, freelancer pod pod pundit. And uh, yeah, w- whatever happens, I'll, I'll be okay with it. But I think anyone who is is around in Tokyo on on, on Saturday afternoon, we can make it to the national stadium. It's going to be a great, great occasion, I think. Mm. Um, and even watching on TV will probably, there'll be a lot of tension, a lot of drama to uh, enjoy as well. So, um, yeah, well worth it, well worth tuning in if uh, or, or getting to the stadium if, if people can.
0: Yeah. And uh, there's no J1 on Saturday to take attention away because of, uh, well, the final round of fixtures are all on the Sunday. There is J3, the final round of J3 at the same time. Um, so you might want to flick between the two. Have Oh, have the playoff final on the telly and have J3 matches on Dazan. There you go. Mm,
1: That's solved
0: mm. that one. You're solved. welcome,
1: everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we'll, we'll find out who's going to be joining uh, Ehime uh, in uh, in J2 for next year, right? It looks like it's going to be uh, Kagoshima, but still still could be a twist, twist in the tail at the, at the top of
0: J3. Yeah, well, we'll find out in a minute because, uh, well, we won't find out yet, but Mike will uh, try and make sense of another baffling weekend in J3 in in short corner. But before we throw it to Mike, I'll say uh, thanks to everyone for listening and thanks to Patreon subscribers for their, their support of JTalk Pod and JTalk Extra Time. Uh, and uh, yeah, John, thanks for, for your thoughts on the semifinals and preview on the final. Uh, yeah,
1: no, no problem. Always a pleasure. Um, listeners might be wondering why we're not talking ACL, James. We we agreed we're going to cover, we're going to talk about Kofu a bit more next week and their, their yep. ACL adventure. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll leave that for next week, I think. Yeah, thanks.
0: Yeah, lots to talk about there as well. Very interesting group. So uh, that's it from us on J2. As promised, here comes Mike Innes with all the latest from J3 in JTalk Short Corner. JTalk Extra Time.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini-pod that keeps you up-to-date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host Mike Innes and in this episode I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 37 of the J3 season, as well as previewing the round 38 matches, the season's final round coming up this weekend. There were two games on Saturday the 25th and a pair of teams still clinging on to hopes of a top two finish met at FC Imabani's Satoyama Stadium where the visitors were FC Osaka. And Osaka took an early lead in this one, a well-worked move down the left leading to Rikuto Kubo sending in the cross for Tomoki Taniguchi to head powerfully in with six minutes on the clock. It was an advantage that stood until six minutes before half time when Vinicius Araujo scuffed a shot from the edge of the area and Toyofumi Sakano got a touch to deflect it inside the post. And so the scoreline stood at 1-all when in first half stoppage time Sakano's goal-bound header was handled on the line by visiting defender Kazuya Mima. The referee showed Mima a straight red card. Sakano converted the resulting penalty for 2-1. And the 33-year-old striker completed his hat-trick. On 59 minutes, a good run and pass from Marcus Vinicius setting up a low shot beyond the reach of John their Little threat after that from the away side. Final score, Imabari 3, Osaka 1. Imabari kept alive their dreams of promotion for 24 more hours at least. The wheels have rather fallen off at Osaka in recent weeks and they drop to 10th. As per last week's episode, FC Uryukyu continue to issue information about players to be released at the end of the season. This meant the fixture against FC Gifu was the last home game in ODUQ shirt for goalkeeper Danny Carvajal, who will depart the club after five years in Okinawa. Unfortunately he marked the occasion with the mistake that led to his team's defeat. Midway through the second half and under no pressure with the ball at his feet, Carvajal played it straight to Gifu winger Ryo Kubota who curled a low shot inside the post from 20 yards. Earlier on, the 34-year-old had done well to keep out Ryoma Kita's volley following a Yoshihiro Shoji corner kick, while at the other end, Shu-Mogi tipped over a dangerous effort from Shou Hiramatsu just before the break. The host's chance to get something from the match came and went four minutes from the end, Yu Tomidokoro somehow putting his shot wide from ten yards out. Final score, UQ 0, Gifu 1. Ryukyu remain 17th, which perhaps explains why their post-season clear-out has already commenced. In the bunch of clubs around mid-table separated by just a handful of points, the win sees Gifu climb to 8th. Eight games then on Sunday the 26th, and if other results went their way, there was a chance second-placed Kagoshima United could confirm promotion, although the Smoking Volcanoes could greatly assist their cause by winning at home to Azul Klalo Numazu. The locals turned out in force to cheer them on, a club record 11,978 people at the Shiranami Stadium and they saw their favourites experience a couple of wobbles in the early stages. Keeper Oriota Izumori involved more than he would like and on 38 minutes his crossbar was struck by Yuma Mori's deflected shot. 0 0 at half time, though, and Kagoshima came more into it as the second half went on, taking the lead in the 65th minute. Who else but Rei Yonezawa meeting Hiroya Nodake's corner with a near post header that looped over keeper Kenta Watanabe and in. And only four minutes later, Yuji Kimura raced to make an interception, leaving Jin Hanato to pick up possession, move into the box and angle his drive in off the far post. Late on, Azul Claro's Corky Inoue crashed a header against the bar, but that was as close as they came. Final score, Kagoshima to Numazu nil. As so rarely seems to happen in J3, Yasuaki Oshima's team deal with the pressure. They don't confirm promotion, but they do make their quality count to keep a tight grip on second place. Azul Claro drop one place to 12th. Behind Kagoshima in third, Katare Toyama knew nothing other than a win could do from their trip to struggling Tegevajano Miyazaki. Katare's inconsistency and seeming inability to deal with these sorts of pressure situations has cost them throughout the season, but here the stars aligned and Tegevajaro were put to the sword. Not many clear chances at either end in the early stages, but on 39 minutes the floodgates opened as Takumi Ito was left free at the far post to head in Musashi Oyama's right wing cross. Three in five games now for rookie Ito. And two minutes later, It was 2-0, Mateus Laeria running onto a hooked through ball from Shunta Takahashi, outmanoeuvring home defender Hirotaka Uchizono and delivering a crisp finish inside the far post. In the latter stages of the game, Toyama accelerated into the distance with four more goals in the space of 11 minutes. First, Mateus made it 3-0 from the penalty spot, the kick awarded when Kazuma Nagata controlled a cross into the box with his arm. Then the Brazilian notched his hat-trick, placing his shot into the bottom corner after Tsubasa Yoshihira's effort had been parried by Kokoro Aoki. Yoshihira got the 5th at the near post after his teammates had toyed with the Miyazaki back line. And the scoring was rounded off in the 81st minute when Katara keeper Tomoki Tagawa played it long to release Daiichi Matsuoka who evaded Uryoma Eguchi and poked it inside the far post. Final score Miyazaki 0, Toyama 6. A crushing way for Tegabagiano to finish their home fixtures. They're 19th and it looks like there are some important decisions ahead if the club are to compete more effectively in 2024. Catane, with this result, accomplished all they could have done. They're still third. They still have a chance. Time. Those wins for Kagoshima and Toyama have served to rule out a number of clubs who came into the weekend with some hope they could get into the promotion places behind champions Ehime FC. Two of those teams met at Roto Field, home of Nara Club, where the visitors were Gainare Tottori. This one was heading for a 0-0 draw until 13 minutes from time, when Nara keeper Arnao played it long for Tatsuma Sakai to chip it across the face of the Gainare goal. Sotaro Yamamoto clipped it onto the bar and the ball was finally knocked over the line by Megamu Nishida for his fourth of the season. Moments later, Nishida's team almost confirmed the win, only for Yamamoto's clever effort to be cleared off the line by Totori's Junya Suzuki. And at the other end, Suzuki was involved in the move that led to Gainane drawing level in the last minute of the 90, advancing down the left and crossing to the far post, where Hideatsu Ozawa was brought down by a clumsy challenge from Rin Morita. Ozawa confidently converted the penalty and then, with the game in stoppage time, Arnau again tried to kick it out from the back. Instead of setting up a chance for his team, he gave it straight to Yu Okubo, who raced forward into the Nara area to slip his shot beneath the keeper and into the net. Final score Nana 1, Tottori 2, and the small margins which impact on the J3 table here see Nana drop three places to 7th, while Gainare, who announced in the week they'll be parting company with coach Kohei Masumoto, have too much ground to make up on the top two, but nevertheless rise to 5th. How about the Giants of J3 Matsumoto Yamaga? The Tarmigans will definitely be staying for a third season in the third tier following their draw at Kamatamari Sanuki. No goals here, but it's not like there were no chances to win it. Yamaga's Ren Komatsu having a penalty saved by homekeeper Takuya Takahashi and putting two headers wide of the post as he looked for what would have been his 20th league goal of the season, while for Kamatamari, Gentaro Oshida drew a good save from Victor and Naoki Takahashi headed off target in injury time. Final score, Senoki nil, Matsumoto nil. The Noodle Boys stay 16th, good enough to earn an early contract renewal for their coach Atsushi Yonayama. Yamaga dropped to 9th and we await with interest to learn what happens to Masahiro Shimoda. I should of course mention Ehime FC, whose title was confirmed a couple of weeks ago, but who since then seem to have shifted into holiday mode. A 4-1 loss at Fukushima United last time out was followed here by a home defeat to Vanderare Hachinohe, both keepers made saves before the opening goal. Veteran Kenta Tokushige restored for the first time since July to the Ehime lineup. Yusuke Taniguchi for Hachinohe, but the visitors went ahead on 71 minutes. Oliola Sunday and Yuya Himeno combining to open up the home defence and enable Naoya Senor to finish from 8 yards. A tenth of the season for Senor, definitely one of the year's quiet success stories. His team held the lead for only a couple of minutes, their back line not dealing with a long kick from Tokushige. Substitute Shunsuke Kikuchi gathering the loose ball and firing in. A first goal on Kikuchi's first appearance in Orange after he ruptured his ACL in pre-season. And Kikuchi almost made it 2-1 with 8 minutes left, his header bringing a sharp stop from the alert Taneguchi. But Van Arne grabbed the winner in injury time, Yuki Aida volleying through a crowded penalty area after Riku Yamauchi's corner kick was only half cleared. Final score, Ehime 1, Hachinohe 2. The Mighty Mikan's defence is hardly their strong point. They've conceded more goals than bottom side Kiromance Kitakyushu, but the whole team has reduced its performance level since the championship was won. Van Rare, on the other hand, are ending the campaign strongly, now up to sixth. Talking of Kitakyushu, they played their final home game of a desperately disappointing season against Fukushima United. The Sunflowers' previous fixture at the Mikuni World Stadium ended in a 6-1 win, but here It was back to business as usual and a defeat, albeit a narrow one. Fukushima should have gone ahead early on. Hiroto Yukie failing to make contact with a Toru Shibata cross when he only had to touch it over the line. But the visitors did open the scoring 35 minutes in. Ryo Shiohama with the initial shot parried by Kenshin Yoshimaru. Uheiji Uehata picked up the loose ball and backheeled it for Kotamori to finish with his right foot. And Fukushima's lead was extended eight minutes into the second half. Home defender Takeaki Homura, unable to direct his header as he tried to clear the cross from Shibata. Satoru Nozue knocking it back across goal. Yukie heading it in. Some discussion over a possible offside from the officials, but the goal stood. Giravance pulled one back on the hour, taking advantage of Fukushima's inability to play out from the back. Taiga Maekawa feeding Yuki Nakayama to finish into the roof of the net. Yusuke Imamura skied the home side's best chance of an equaliser. Final score, Kitakyushu won Fukushima two. Kira as the bottom team in the division, have unsurprisingly confirmed Shinji Kobayashi will be leaving as both coach and sports director come the end of the season. More of an eyebrow raiser is that Mitsumasa Yoda will also depart Fukushima, who he's guided to the safety of 15th. Couple of draws to finish with, AC Nagano Paseiro thought they'd opened the scoring midway through the first half at YSCC Yokohama, but Naoki Sanda's header was ruled out for offside, and I'll say right now Sanda was very comfortably onside. Pasairo did eventually go in front with 20 minutes to go, Yuma Funabashi volleying in against his old team from Korken Kato's corner kick. And Nagano were heading for the win until nine minutes from time when Funabashi was sent off for a second yellow card, seemingly awarded for time wasting over the taking of a free kick. The home side had offered little going forward but equalised in stoppage time. Takahiro Nakazato's corner punched clear by Kim Min Ho, volleyed back towards goal by Likuto Hashimoto, deflected in by Yusei Kayanuma. Final score, YSCC 1, Nagano 1, YSCC 11th, Paseiro 3 points and 3 places below them in 14th. And finally, the goalkeepers were on top in SC Sagamihara against Iwate Guruja Morioka. Sagamihara's John Higashi saving well from Kenneth Otobo and Ren Fujimura. Iwate's Kentatano producing a brave block to keep out Tsubasa Ando. Final score, Sagamihara 0, Iwate 0. The Green and Blacks hold on to 18th. The Paper Cranes stay 13th. Time. So, now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 37. The top six are Ehime with 70 points, Kagoshima with 61, Toyama 59, Imabari 56, Tottori and Hachinohe 55. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Fukushima with 46 points, Sanuki with 44, Ryukyu 42, Sagamihara 40, Miyazaki 38, and bottom of the table with 28, Kitakyushu. One round left to go, One promotion place still to be decided, and suddenly it's all looking very simple. Only Kagoshima and Toyama remain in contention. Looking ahead to next week's games, Toyama need to win to have any chance of stealing second place. If Kagoshima win, or likely also draw given their superior goal difference, they will return to J2. The other teams we've talked about as possibles for promotion over the course of the season, Imabari, Totori, Matsumoto, Nana and, well, most of the rest of the division at some point or other, will all remain in J3 for 2024. And down at the bottom of the table, that is also true of Kitakyushu. No relegation playoff for Gilavance. And that's because the two JFL teams looking at licenses for J3 next year, Leilac, Shiga and Leinmeier Aomori, both blew it on the final day of the JFL season on Sunday, missing out on the required top two finish. Aomori were beaten 2-1 by Suzuka. Point getters, Shiga were 2-0 up inside 15 minutes out of Vietain but eventually drew 2-2. That means there will be no new members of the J-League next year. And so, for the last time this season, a quick look ahead to the Round 38 J3 fixtures this weekend, when all ten games are on Saturday the 2nd. Kagoshima and Toyama have tough matches in front of them. Kagoshima at Tottori. Toyama at home to YSCC. And Ehime round off their title-winning season at Osaka. Away games for all the teams in the lower reaches. Kitakyushu at Gifu. Miyazaki at Nagano. Sagamihara heading to Hachinohe. Ryukyu making the long trip to Fukushima. Sanuki at Iwate. And the might of beans of Imabari go to Numazu, and Matsumoto are at home to Nana. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now.